Good day, my name is Deborah Benest, and I'm podcasting from Orlando, Florida, USA. We have a special guest for our premiere show of Truth Confessions podcast. Her name is Esther Rocket, and she is coming from Byron Bay, Australia. She is a healthcare and anti-cult activist and blogger. She has a bachelor's degree in religious studies and a special interest in Eastern religions and new religious movements and cults. Right now, she is embroiled in a lawsuit with Serge Bunhayen, leader and founder of Universal Medicine. They are suing her for defamation, and we are here to welcome Esther and get her side of the story and get the facts. So good evening, Esther. How are you over there? Great. Uh, I'm fine, and thank you for having me on your show. It's a pleasure. I've been reading a lot about your case, and it's really uh, has a lot of twists and turns. And I guess for a lot of us here in the USA, we're not familiar with universal medicine. Yeah, as far as I know, there are uh, some practitioners uh, and recruiters in the USA, um, in Vermont, and uh, I think someone's in Minnesota, but I would have to check on that. I can get back to you. Um, Now, universal medicine began in 1999. Uh, It was founded by a tennis coach. He was a junior tennis coach by the name of Serge Benhayen. Serge Benhayen was born in Uruguay, uh, 1964, and he moved, his family migrated to Australia. He grew up in Sydney. Um, So he was a tennis player and a tennis coach. He was hoping to become an elite tennis coach and uh, he was hoping to coach one of his um, top pupils to tennis stardom. But in 1998, she decided she didn't want to play tennis anymore. It's a whole story of of its own, a whole saga of its own. He was also just in 1998, he came out of a bankruptcy period uh, and in 1999 he claimed that he was sitting on the toilet and he heard voices and the voices kind of, it was a sort of a spiritual revelation, uh, they kind of told him that he had special knowledge and that the knowledge was within his body and that he needed to share it. And so from then on, he began, I think he'd already dabbled a little bit in healing, uh, but he began practicing what's called, what he calls esoteric healing. And he developed this following that just grew and grew and grew. And now, um, 16 years later, Universal Medicine is an international, a multi-million dollar international organization. He has, it's difficult to say how many followers he has. I think he has hardcore following of three to 500 people, but a lot of peripheral followers as well. Uh, that following seems to have declined since he um, received some media coverage in 2012 about his practices. Um, but it's, yeah, so it's, it's grown into this, quite a large wealthy organization he's now very very wealthy and the main centers are in Australia so mostly uh, his where he lives in Ganelabar near Lismore in Australia there's also centers in Brisbane Sydney and Perth and some centers in Europe and a large center in the UK uh, in Somerset from Somerset and a center in London when you say um, esoteric medicine or healing, it, it kind of draws a curtain. So what does that entail? It, for example, does he believe, does he um, encourage people to see a doctor if they're sick or, or that kind of thing? If, if, a, if a member is sick does, will it, or they break their leg or, or something, will he, will he take them to a hospital? Okay, there's, yeah, there's a couple of points I'd make there. So the esoteric healing... He borrowed it. He borrowed the idea in a way. I mean, he was interested in healing, I suppose, but he kind of borrowed the brand from um, a theosophical author by the name of Alice A. Bailey, 
who wrote a series of books about things called things like esoteric healing, esoteric astrology. Uh, he 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 pretty much borrowed her whole um, philosophy, that whole philosophical system, um, including all of its. Um, you know, this collection of ascended masters of the hierarchy, he, he took that on as his own kind of, I mean, he, he, he acknowledged her, but, and he, he claims that he's actually a reincarnation of her now, but he took on that system and added a few twists of his own, a few dark twists of, of his own, but basically esoteric healing as practiced by universal medicine is a hands-on um, healing modality where they're aiming to change people's energy. Um, he, the other point that you asked about whether he's um, pro-medicine, uh, he says he is. So publicly in the publicity, he likes to promote the fact that he is uh, endorsed by a number of doctors. He receives referrals from doctors and other health professionals. But when you look into his um, teachings, as I have, he um, disparages medicine quite a lot. He thinks that modern medicine's a failure, that if it was any good, then it would have come up with the cure for all diseases. So what he maintains is that he knows exclusively and this is not something that Alice Bailey ever claimed, but Serge Benham claims that he knows the cause. He knows the causes for all disease. So there's a little bit of controversy about his. Um, Does he believe that um, spirits cause diseases or that yes. sort of thing? Because I don't know if I if I got that from Alice Bailey if she believed that because that goes so way back when I was um, studying the occult. But um, the spirits cause everything, and or your um, past lives cause um, suffering. So this, yeah, sure. So he's yeah. on that that level of um, beliefs. Does he um, feel he uh, he claim he um, claims he's from ascended masters? Does he um, make any alleged claims that you know he's a god on earth or? You know, these are things that a lot of typical um, leaders of organizations will say. I was just wondering if he's in that kind of circle of, of claims. Yeah, sure. Oh, he, um, he does. He he's. It's funny. You you have to. You have to look. Uh, yeah, just give me a minute. Yeah, so. He does, but you kind of have to, you almost have to read between the lines a little bit. But in his books, he says that the um, that the ascended masters um, are working through him, and that he works with them. That he's a member of the fifth dimension, you know, and he's he's a he's a fifth degree initiate. This is what he does claim to be. And a fifth, he's the only fifth degree initiate on earth, unless he's promoted someone from within his organization, which is possible. But well, I don't think he'd ever promote someone to his level, but he claims to be the fifth degree initiate that he speaks from the fifth dimension so that the spirits can hear him. And yes, that he is one of the, he's an incarnated uh, ascended master. But is this something that is set up front, or are you drawn to this kind of love bombing, new agey thing, and then you find out he has these other types of teachings? Because I'm sure anybody who would hear this would would never want to, you know, um, look into his his teachings. So how do you feel people are drawn to him? How were you drawn to him? Well. Okay, so for me, I wasn't drawn to him at all. Um, I wasn't interested in the least, but I have a very good friend who lives nearby and um, is a Chinese medicine practitioner, and I went to see my friend because I hadn't had holidays in a while. I was in the area on holiday, hadn't had holidays, and I was a bit stressed. And my friend recommended that I go see Serge. And 
you know, I've been a, probably a bit more adventurous in the past, probably a little less skeptical than I am now. This was in 2004, mind you. Um, so I'm even less, even, well, even more skeptical now. But so my friend, this Chinese medicine practitioner who I have a lot of respect for, recommended that I go and see him and said that he was doing really interesting stuff. And we we're always interested in anyone doing something unusual or, or anything that's powerful or effective is, you know. So, but when, when I said to my friend, so what, what's he do? What's his qualification? Um, he said, oh, he's a healer. And I was like, oh no, you know, <laughs> even at that point, um, I was in my mid thirties. I'd practiced at that point uh, Chinese medicine for nearly 10 years. So I was already pretty sick to death of healers and people who call themselves that. Um, so I said, oh, you know, no. I, I, I thought it was a bit of rubbish, but my friend kind of insisted, no, no, it's really interesting. So I went along, you know, because of my friend's recommendation. But for other people, um, if you come across, if you Google universal medicine, you, you find that they have about, now they have about 35 official websites that are, you know, a company related websites. And um, they've brought in very professional um, web designers, um, SEO consultants. They have a, a pretty sophisticated marketing team now. And what they're advertising and promoting now, you know, is a healthy lifestyle. So they're kind of, they're advertising themselves as a health service and their big pitch is self-loving choices, healthy self-loving choices and self-care and a healthy diet, a healthy lifestyle. So those are the – oh, and the other thing that pulls people in uh, is um, esoteric women's health. So they're also – pitching very much to the women's health market and especially women with um, pathologies, gynecological pathologies. And, I mean, that's a wonderful market if you're, if you're trying to make money because it's very difficult. It's, those things are very difficult to treat. Um, they can be very tenacious conditions. Um, and women are, uh, unfortunately, willing to try nearly anything to get relief uh, and to get understanding um, of these conditions because it's still in a situation where it's true that Western medicine, you know, doesn't, doesn't have a lot for, for women with gynecological disorders. It's, it's kind of limited medicine, but it's because that medicine is so complex. So they're pitching to, there's a general sort of self self-care uh, pitch, diet, um, detox also, you know, a lot of the followers are people who used to take drugs or smoke, drink, and then there's their women's health market, which is, you know, a, well, very, very big gateway. Can you tell me or elaborate about the girl to women? I found that so bizarre. I, I, I had to read it a few times. Can I ask what you had to read or what you found bizarre about it that might sort of give me a little bit something to navigate from? Just the kind of, it almost was like a, like a very bizarre um, initiation of the sorts. And it was just odd. I mean, the whole concept of it was just um, weird. I, I don't understand why a mother would participate in that. It, it's, to me, it, it really smacks of... Um, a behavior that might not be ethical mm, at all. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have big problems with the Girl to Woman project. Um, I find it very disturbing. And given what I know about Universal Medicine's background, because by now, you know, I've read read a few of Serge Benhan's books that he's written. He's written eight uh, philosophical works. Um, he's written quite a lot on there's there's a fair bit that's published on the internet and also um, 
his audio recordings. I've listened to probably, I don't know, about 30 hours of audio recordings now. So I've got a fairly good idea of, of his attitudes and teachings. Um, also, there's some circumstances that are very concerning um, around his behaviour with women. So first of all, the way that he behaved with me in his treatment room, which I won't go into much because it's going to be covered in the trial, you know, the defamation trial. But, you know, I found it inappropriate. Um, and that was what rang alarm bells at the very beginning for me. That's what why I could never let this go. Um, the way he treated me in his treatment room was very concerning and I became concerned for the fact that most of his followers, he was gathering this following of women, I could see that, most of his followers at the time were women. Um, mm -hmm. Most of them were talking to him about their gynecological conditions and he was actively seeking information on, on those conditions and their private lives um, and certainly seeking information. Uh, this is something that's publicly acknowledged even on their websites if you look hard enough. Um, seeking information about their sexual histories. So that was a concern. Um, what, what is his explanation if someone has a bad sexual history? How is that cured or how is that addressed? Well, that's, that's another one of these concerning behaviours is uh, that he mm -hmm. offers healings. And so he's, he's devised a number of um, women's health practices. One of them is esoteric breast massage. They, they have a disclaimer about that, that it's practiced only by women, but, you know, never mind. Uh, I still think it's inappropriate, but he's also, you know, his daughter practices esoteric ovary massage. He's, he has a son who practices uterus massage, but nobody will tell us what that is. And he has um, other um, uh, healings, which I dug up when I was sent a training manual, an esoteric healing training manual, because he's training practitioners. There's, you know, he's saying that the sacred chakra, uh, which is in the pelvic region, um, can be blocked by rape. So he's saying this is, we've got this in writing, it's documented, there's, you know, images. He's saying that the pelvic region can be blocked by sex, the energy of sexual abuse and this can give rise to all sorts of trauma and to diseases like ovarian cancer. So, you know, this stuff rings alarm bells for me as a health practitioner. I'm thinking he's got no business. He, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He didn't finish high school no. for us. He's not a, a medical doctor. He's not licensed in any degree no. at all. So he's just... No qualifications, no higher education achievements. And he has a, his daughter, Natalie, is the same. She's been exalted to become... You know, she's the director of Esoteric Women's Health, Proprietary Limited. She's a pre presenter for the whole Universal Medicine Roadshow. Um, and she calls herself a women's health expert. She, she, she finished high school at least, but she really, really doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, but also, you know, this whole business of um, privacy invasion, they have no business asking women about their uh, histories not their reproductive histories and not their sexual histories. That's just a no-go zone. Um, so, you know, there's these practices. And, of course, so in this manual, he's also giving healings to clear your, your sacred chakra. And that's another uh, part of the, the case, of the defamation cases, that I made comments about the appropriateness of those um, healing practices, and he's saying that that's defamed him. So what I will be arguing in the defamation case is, well, no, I'm quite justified in, in expressing concerns about these um, practices. So coming back to the Girl to Woman project, the practices are concerning. His attitudes to women and the, and the female body are concerning, um, but also... His history is concerning and it is acknowledged in Sydney Morning Herald 
that elite tennis pupil, his, his star pupil, was a young woman. Um, she moved into his home. It's, it's reported in Sydney Morning Herald at 13. Her mother was against it uh, and didn't give permission. And from then on, um, that girl, Miranda, her, her relationship with her mother deteriorated and Miranda's in her 30s now and has had no contact with her mother for over, I think it's about 15 years. Um, she, Miranda ended up living with the Benhayans for several years, um, mostly on, and then became Serge Benhayan's wife. Was, was he married to somebody previously before that was helping take care of Miranda? He was, okay. yes. He, he was married to Deborah Benhayan, uh, and they had four children. Um, Where, what is she? Is she working with her, her ex, or do you have any knowledge of what's... Yes, Deborah works for the firm. De Deborah's, she's not an accountant. She's, I think she's a bookkeeper, but she, she uh, handles the money for the firm. Uh, and by now their financial uh, setup is very, very complex. That's a, that's a, that's a whole episode in itself. But um, she, so Deborah was married to Serge until about 2002, I believe. And then uh, the marriage broke down. Um, and sometime later, it was several years, it was several years later that Serge married Miranda, but those years in between are kind of the subject of uh, a lot of questions. So, um, but Miranda, when Miranda moved into their home when she was 13, I think um, Serge's eldest child at that time was about 10, 10 or 11. So, um, the the uh, the thing that concerns me about that was that okay once you know you can you might understand that happening once but in those years since lots of girls have been sent to stay in Ben Hayen's home and that's acknowledged on their websites they they brag about it they have some of the girls providing testimonials um, vouching for for Serge Benhayan's integrity, you know, that these girls have been sent to stay unaccompanied, you know, without their parents in his home. Well, and, and, and what is the reason that these underage girls are, are sent to there and, and they're sent with the consent of their parents? I mean, what is, what is the rationale behind that? Are they getting healed or going to a workshop? Or? It's, it's a good question. Um, and it's a question I started asking publicly because I was talking to some social workers about it because I was concerned about why there were so many girls. And they, the social workers said the same thing. What reasons are these parents giving for these girls to go and stay there? So some of them are sent, some of them have come from Europe um, and the UK. Uh, others are local, you know, who live in you know, not far away at all. And so it's, I'm not clear on it. I know that um, Universal Medicine was advertising they were running a youth sponsorship program, and and Lord knows what that entails. But I but some of the some of the girls did work experience at Serge Benhayan's clinic, and as far as I can tell, that entails cleaning. So the, yeah, there was a kind of a youth sponsorship program, and. One of his propagandists, uh, Alison Gregg, has also said that he's been, you know, that it's perfectly uh, normal and explainable and that he likes to support youth financially. That's what she said on, on one of their blogs. So you were commenting on this and bringing it to the attention and and questioning and all of a sudden did they start a smear campaign on you or did they try to contact you or or try to you know what were the what were the steps that they took before the lawsuit oh okay yeah that's that's interesting too so in 2012 I first wrote about my experience with um, Ben Han I put it on the Rick Ross, Ross cult education forum in, uh, in a discussion with other 
people who were talking about UM and had uh, experienced UM. Um, and then I thought, well, the education forum's okay. I think I'll start a blog. Uh, that way we can organise our information better. I, I'd already at that stage decided to undertake research investigation mm-hmm. and find out more and find out what was happening and find out why people were so scared uh, to speak up. On the Rick Ross forum, I gathered that people were very, very uh, conscious of their anonymity. They really didn't want to be found out. And I wanted to know why people were so fearful. And I thought something's wrong here. When people are this fearful, then this group is, they must be aggressive or they must have something to hide. So I began investigating and I thought, well, a blog's a good place to to do that because you can categorise things. Um, Anyway, uh, nothing happened. There was silence for quite some time. Um, No one ever, no one contacted me for quite some time. The first inkling that something was happening uh, was when Google in Australia, long story about the laws in Australia and defamation, but Google in Australia, I was running a blog on the Google platform, they just suspended my blog all of a sudden um, and said I'd broken the law. And, you know, Google isn't a court, so, you know. <laughs> so I kind of I tried to contact them and said, "What what law and what jurisdiction do you have to decide what is lawful?" Anyway, so mm-hmm. it got shut down, and I, you know, obviously it was Universal Medicine had had um, put in a complaint. Uh, so I shifted to WordPress, which is US based, because I knew WordPress wouldn't shut the blog down without a court order, and. WordPress mm-hmm. has been wonderful in that way and stood by that. I use I use WordPress as well, and um, yeah, it it's true. They they will stand by the absolutely, and they they make it easier for bloggers to um, kind of uh, have have redress uh, if there are mm-hmm. any threats. So I think it was after that that they began. Oh, I have to remember, but. They so then they started DMCA complaints, and luckily mm-hmm. WordPress has a beautiful system for responding to DMCA complaints, which are copyright infringement complaints. If people don't know yeah, that, I'm well aware. <laughs> uh, and and uh, you know they're just people use them as a form of censorship. You know they're false. They make a false complaint to try and scare people, make you think that you're going to be sued. Um, but of course they have no merit and I just, luckily WordPress allows you to, you know, have a, have a little bit of comeback. So they tried a bunch of those unsuccessfully. I successfully countered those. Um, and then they began making complaints to, uh, you know, I was a Chinese medicine practitioner, registered practitioner. So they tried to have me deregistered, you know, they started putting in complaints. And it was the health professionals that are involved with universal medicine that began mm-hmm. putting in these complaints. Um, and one of them was that my blogging was some sort of symptom of psychosis and sociopathy and that I was a cyber bully. And, you know, those complaints were dis- dismissed pretty quickly. They tried a few other things like that, lodging complaints with various bodies, but none of them were taken seriously. Then they tried uh, to have me arrested for harassment. For harassment? For a blog? For a blog? Yeah, yeah, for blogging. Um, Because I'd because I'd named them, uh, I'd named all the recruiters on my naming names page. So I, I. it wasn't even my idea. This is a great story. This is a cult expert. Oh, I won't. I, so I won't say who it is. Um, but a cult expert suggested. He said, "You know what? It'd really be good is um, if you name the recruiters." He said, "Put their names up and their addresses and all this sort of stuff." Um, and I did that. And of course, 
that's when universal medicine became quite aggressive, I think, is when I, when I named all of the recruiters, the doctors. The doctors are at the top of the list, you know, I put them right at the top of the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the doctors are there, the lawyers, the dentists, and then all of the healers as well and all the meditation groups. Um, and they have, because I called them recruiters to universal medicine, and I've called universal medicine a cult, they've characterized that as cyberbullying and harassment. And so, and then of course I've criticized a fair few in, individuals on my blog for a lot, for their public statements. You know, they say things publicly um, and I don't know, I, I think they expect everyone will hug them. Um, but, uh, you know, I've criticised a lot of what's been said publicly and said, you know, what, what evidence base do you have for that or, um, you know, oh, yeah, I've just questioned stuff and they call any, any questioning harassment and abuse. I, I, I'd like to stop right there because I know we discussed a um, diagnostic instrument used as a um, determining undue influence um, and in cultic um, relationships and one of them is um, the group displays excessively zealous and unquestioning commitment to its leader regarding his belief system ideology and practice as the truth or as law and from what you've told me so far that's this, that criteria seems to be um, well fulfilled and another criteria um, as an analytical tool is questioning doubt and dissent are discouraged or even punished. Sure. Um, mind-altering practices such as meditation, chanting, speaking, denunciation sessions, debilitating work routines are used to serve and suppress doubts about the group and leaders. Um, the group is elitist, claiming a special exalted status in its leaders, like the Messiah or being a special being or avatar. Yeah. Um, the group has um, polarizes um, us versus them mentality. Yep. The leader is not accountable to any authorities, including teachers, commanders, ministers, or mainstream religious. Um, the leadership induces feelings of shame or guilt in order to influence or control members. I mean, it, it, I could go on and on, and it just seems like it's it fits every criteria of what you've been through. The behaviors of this organization sure. just fits this criteria, um, mm. you know, to the to the max. It's it's really a, a frightening situation, and you're bringing a lot of light and awareness to this, and putting yourself out on the line. I can only hope that you know they that. There's an irony in this case in terms, like from a layperson's point of view, that's just seeing what's happening and, pl- and seeing how it's played out because you can prove everything that you're talking about. It's in his writings, his teachings. I mean, you're not saying anything that's untruth. It's, there might be some personal perspective or challenges mm-hmm. there um, or, or maybe, you know, a little bit of personal interpretation, but you know, you quote sources, you quote his books, you have photographs of the of the practices. So I don't understand why they would take such a risk to to try to sue you. I, I just some well, that's a, that's a good point. And I mean, I think what they gambled on um, is what a lot of people gamble on when they take a defamation action in Australia is that defamation actions are for rich people. And uh, to defend a defamation action in Australia, you need a lot of money. Um, And so, as you know, um, I don't have any, but but luckily, you know, I'd done enough work and I'd done enough networking that um, I have a, a certain amount of support. And so I've been able to raise a certain amount of money that's going to get me to the trial. Uh, and yeah, there, there is some other offers of support coming in, which I, I'm not going to go into yet, but, um, you know, luckily I'd done enough groundwork and had enough support there, but I think that's what they, they were hoping. They, they tried to have me arrested, you know, um, 
They were hoping you would just go away. They, they tried to put me out basis. of business, you know. They, they yeah. put up websites um, about my business, uh, attacking my professional skills, you know. Not, I, I saw that side. Yeah, no, I saw that they don't, how would they, They've never been to my business. And my activism has nothing to do with with the, my profession. So uh, they, I think they thought, oh, and also last year I announced that I'd had enough, because I had, and I'd exposed probably everything I could. I'd put in a heap of complaints, and I'd seen them through to their conclusions, uh, which were mostly unsatisfactory. That's a whole political thing. That's a different thing mm -hmm. politically. Um, but put in complaints, I'd, I'd done a lot of exposure. Of course, I can do more and more, but it's at my own expense. But you would think that they would they would be equally held accountable for um, for the same charges they're pressing against you. Because when I Google your name and I see all these websites, it's amazing that that they're doing the same thing they're accusing yeah. you of. But yeah. I mean, it's it was awful because I I saw the website about um, you know like. On your job and and what you do was terrible. I mean, I don't understand how that can stay up and and they could claim a defamation. This is just my opinion and my layman's point of view. It doesn't, oh, you know, an observation and then just an an observation from from you know doing some searches and I didn't know that they had such a widespread campaign on you and I was very shocked yeah. at it. So yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of overkill, isn't it? You know, they've really overdone it. Um, and, and yeah, you, you know, those are, those are perfectly fair observations, but, but the problem is, you know, that's a hot, that's a different problem. That's, that's politics. That's the law in Australia. Uh, it's, it's really difficult for me to, um, take legal action against them. It means, um, people have asked me about issuing a counterclaim to the defamation mm -hmm. claim against me, mm -hmm. but it means spending more money. It means I have to raise more money. Um, and also, in some ways, I don't care that I don't. In, in some ways, I don't really mind that they've had a go at me because it really does reveal more about them than it does about me, for sure. Um, a lot of people have said, "Gee, you can see straight away what they're about," you know, with this. You this can. Campaign. It makes them look. It, it makes them look. Um it's you know very unethical and, and how they're dealing with this yeah. and, and it does leave a very very bad business model and a bad impression yeah a lot of you don't want different sources you know. have said to me you know all different people have said to me what kind of a an organization would do that you know a, against mm -hmm. someone a complainant or, or or someone who's even critical why would they why would they put so much effort into this um, this this incredible kind of this incredible campaign, so it's very revealing about them. So I'm not that motivated really to take legal action. I did consider it, but but yeah, it was never a question because I, a I couldn't afford it, but b I sort of thought, well, no, I mean, it does reveal a lot about them, and why not? Let let them do it. Let them. Um, what they call what do they call it? hoist themselves on their own petard it's because with a lot of organizations um, they get you in on on the on the carrot you know you don't know everything so you're 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 being love bombed or, or you all of a sudden found people that seem to like you be interested in you and and the techniques seem very benign but when someone goes to your website and it's all laid out mm. you're just automatically um, and then you Google them and Google you and you see the, t the things that they say. You just want to step back 20 feet. You know, you can't get sucked into it. So now if I was to see something here on universal medicine, you know, I would immediately um, confront who's ever sponsoring them or because I have this information, you know, through you um, because you just lay it all out there. There's nothing subtle. And that must be the threat that they I perceive and it might be the threat that they feel because there's no pulling in slowly. People can Google them and boom, they see it yeah. all. And that's yeah. and, and that's why this lawsuit, in my opinion, it, it's 
I, I don't even understand what what logic they're coming from with this because it's going to make people investigate them and um, it's not going to be you know a, a pretty thing it's it's going to be pretty yeah epic. sure and that's the thing about cult and that's the thing I think that throws people I think you and I know that cult awareness is very very low you know um, very, very globally low. people don't understand cult and you know you've kind of put your your, your finger on it because um, cults are irrational they behave irrationally you don't when you say the the way that they brought this lawsuit against me is uh, irrational and unreasonable, of course it is. All of their behaviour is 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 un, un, unreasonable, um, and so and this is what throws people. This is why people can't get their head around what a cult is and how they work because it, there's no rhyme or reason to it. They just it just seems insane, and so they're likely well, yeah, pretty justifiably, people are likely to just put it into the new, the too hard basket and say, those people are crazy, you know, I don't want to... That's, that seems to be the, the, standard, um, the standard response. And I, I wear my little you know, cold awareness bracelets and I work at a, a healthcare facility and healthcare professionals will ask me, you know, why do you always wear those black bracelets? What does it mean? And I just have to take a deep breath because it's going to be a long yeah. night explaining. It's just, it's not mainstream. Yeah. It's people don't understand it. And like you said, people feel it cannot happen to them. And it can happen to anybody. And there's cults in many different factions and many different ways. It's not people just think, oh, it's, you know, Jim Jones or Charles Manson. It's, it's, it's could be the most subtle benign you know situation that could go really rogue and uh, that's right and you know Rick Ross on his site as as you know I mean he has a section on cults but he has a section um, an equal a pretty large section on uh, abusive relationships because really um, and we're talking about domestic situations of workplace or whatever because they are an, they are the same thing. A cult really is just a, a large-scale abusive relationship. And even when we come, we're having a, a you know, domestic violence in Australia is, is receiving a lot of publicity at the moment because of the, the mm -hmm. high rate of murders, um, domestic violence murders. And it's one of those problems that why do women stay with these men? You know, why don't they just leave? And it's it's a exactly. similar sort of mindset or attitude towards cult. Why do people join these crazy groups? Exactly. Why don't they just leave? You know, why would you? Who would believe that? You know, all that sort. Of it's a it's a relationship that starts off. It's like um, being in, it's like the stages of, for me, it was like the stages of love. You know, there was like um, the friendship and the flirtatiousness and then the, the deeper sense of trust and secrets and then the, the shoe drops and it's, it's love and it's sexual and it's control. And it's, it's just like a love relationship. It's, it's not, you don't walk into anything and they're going to say, oh, we're a cult. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's a relationship and it, it meets a, a lot of different levels in people and everybody has has that in them. You know, everybody wants to be loved and accepted and, and feel wonderful about themselves. And it could be, like you said, through a relationship that's abusive or through an organization. Yeah, and, and it begins with deception. And as you say, you know, when you meet an abusive person, uh, you know, if it's a, a relationship, an individual, they don't walk up to you and say, hi, in three months' time I'm going to smack you around. You know, they they walk up and um, charm you, you know, they make you feel special. And, um, you know, they're charming and they're kind of nice to be around. And cults are the same. They You don't, you don't go to a a Bible study group or a, or a um, women's health presentation in the case of universal medicine and they say, hi, we're a cult 
and in a few months' time, you'll be, you know, you'll be coming for, you'll be having esoteric healing sessions a couple of times a week because you'll be so scared that if you don't, you're going to get, you know, you'll get cancer and you'll have bad mm -hmm. karma and you'll have car accidents and blah blah blah. They don't say that to you. This is all stuff that no. happens uh, insidiously over time. You become more comfortable with the person or the group and then you then you don't realize that you've become dependent so it's deception dependency and dread the old the old trilogy uh you, you become dependent on them and there's a level of fear involved you know so that's a mechanism but you know of course you don't see that happening no no and and you, you're brought up to trust people and to trust that um, good relationships, you know, and, and love is a little bit, you know, of an admiration society. I mean, who's friends with somebody that hates them? So it's so confusing because you might be in the middle of a situation where you really need that and then, you know, a, a group, you know, approaches you and like I said anybody can be vulnerable because everybody does have vulnerabilities and it, it can happen in, in many different in, in many different ways so it was a slow it was slow with me but once I was in it was very very hard to pull out because you feel like you have no identity your, your identity gets like um, dissolved and you have get the identification of your of the leader so you don't feel like you, you even have the strength to pull out and if you do pull out you feel like you're completely um, in one of my diaries that I've read, uh, I, I had wrote, I feel blown up like someone just put dynamite in every orifice of my body. That's how I felt. It's very hard to, it's, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to recover from. And I, you know, I considered myself very savvy and, and I got, you know, sucked into a, a situation. So I, I really uh, want to go into your fundraising and how people can contact you and your websites and then um, if there's any closing comments you want to make so I want to give you the, the floor for a little while so you could so people can know how to connect okay well yeah that's pretty easy now because I've um, you just remember my name Esther Rocket and mm -hmm. uh, I have a site under my own name that I started after I was after Universal Medicine started defaming me and calling me everything under the sun I thought well I'd better start up EstherRocket.com um, before someone else does. Uh, so you can go to estherrocket.com and that's probably, you'll, you'll find links to the blogs that I write about. I've blogged a little bit there about universal medicine, but I have two other blogs, long story about why there's blogs. It's to do with the censorship, um, Universal Medicine Accountability and Universal Medicine Exposed are my other blogs. But if you just go to estherrocket.com, you'll find you'll find a PayPal button if you want if you'd like to donate to my defence, um, and you'll find ways to contact me, um, or you can just use estherrocket at Gmail as well. Um, just remember, my surname has two T's in it. But, you know, there's, there's, yeah, my bio is on that site, estherrocket.com. Um, yeah, there's lots of reading. I think if you're interested in universal medicine, it's sort of hard to know where to start. It was. It was overwhelming. And I've been following your case, so I would read things as you would post them. But I took almost a whole day today to study, and it is overwhelming. I mean, you're doing a tremendous job to to expose this organization because it's overwhelming what's out there, and, and they're going to hit the U.S. It's it's eventual. I mean, you said there's a couple practitioners here already, yeah. and we're, we're ripe for something like that. Sure. So, and um, there's a musician called Chris James, and I know that he's been to Vermont so far. Chris James is a very big recruiter for. Uh, Universal mm -hmm. Medicine, and he, he he runs singing workshops, and I know that he's run them in Vermont and also uh, in Canada. Um, I think it's Nova Scotia. Uh, so he brings a lot of people in as well, and people think they're going to just going to a singing voice, uh, singing a singing uh, workshop, 
and and they're a lot of fun, I suppose. You know, people feel good when they sing. That's another one of those transinduction methods. You know, as as we're talking about mm-hmm. chanting and and things like that. So. Yeah. Chris has been to to the U.S. Um, and yeah, there is a little bit of activity in Vermont, uh, but it's something we're keeping an eye on. One good thing though is um, Google Universal Medicines managed to have a lot of stuff taken down from uh, the Google search index in Australia and the U.K. and the USA doesn't have that problem. You need a court order to have stuff removed from Google in the US. You don't need it here. And so when you Google, you're probably a little bit more likely to find my blogs or the material that I've posted. And yeah, I've been a bit critical of universal medicine, but I've posted material, you know, I've posted quotes, um, textual material, yeah. images. So, you know, I'm, I'm actually commented. I've seen, I saw that on your YouTubes, you actually opened up the manual and put it to the camera. So, I mean, you, you have your sources and it's right there. They, they promote it themselves. You're not, you know, making it up or anything like that. Well, so, the, your YouTubes are actually very educational too. So I recommend um, everybody to tune into your YouTube channel. Yeah, I put the YouTubes up because um, I realized there's a lot of reading and yeah, it's sad in a way because I started blogging and I didn't know what I was going to find. So I just started blogging what I was finding as I found it. And that's why it's not very mm-hmm. well organized in a lot of ways. That's why there are so many posts and stuff because I kept uncovering stuff and just putting it up. When normally if you were to undertake a research project, you'd do the research and then you'd publish something. <laughs> So, you know, um, and you'd publish it, you know, with an introduction and a body and a conclusion, but I wasn't, didn't have that liberty. I, I really felt this sense of urgency that this group needed to be exposed quickly, as quick as I could do it before they shut me down. And so I was just throwing stuff onto the net, which is why it's a bit overwhelming. But the YouTubes are good because they, they, I've been able to just do summaries, I suppose. They're a little bit more um, concise, I guess. I enjoyed um, catching up to all your um, podcast, all your YouTubes, and I, I had spent most of the day today in universal medicine, and it is quite an, an overwhelming um, project, and quite. I'm really um, honored to to know you, Esther, and you're doing a, a fantastic job exposing this organization and. We really are behind you and wish you well, and we will continually post updates on our website and all our forums, and um, I think this this um, podcast will be well received by a lot of different um, groups and organizations that will help promote what you're trying to do. So, Thank you, Deborah. Can I just say before I go, you're doing a great job too, though, and I, I'd like that mentioned in the podcast. I mean, you've given, you, there's a platform here that you've created that wasn't there before. And I have now have this network, thanks to you, that just wasn't there. I wasn't connected to other people who were um, active against cults or talking about cults. And you've provided that, so thank you.